Game Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. Before we get started with this week's show, first off, let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners, and if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. On today's guest, I've got Trevor Bunch. He's a congenital uh, double amputee. Uh, The medical term for it is tibial dysplasia. And he's he's a business owner, Fit Bunch. Uh, thanks again, Trevor, for coming on. No problem. No. So we no talked problem. a little bit off air about your background. Uh, obviously, you were a former member of the U.S. Paralympic uh, powerlifting t- team, and you were you are, you are or you were the national record holder for your weight class. I currently hold the national powerlifting record for my weight class. Yeah, and then. At your best, we were saying off air that you were ranked uh, as much as fourth in the world. Is that correct? For for a little bit, yes, I was actually as high as fourth in the world. And then with powerlifting, uh, did you get to travel a lot around the world? Mm-hmm. Uh, can you name some of the places? We, uh, yeah, in uh, in 2014, I went to Dubai, and in uh, 2015, we went to Mexico City. Um, our, uh, the national competitions are fortunately, unfortunately, either or, uh, held in Oklahoma city. So kind of, uh, kind of not, not necessarily remote, but not necessarily a, uh, glamorous destination either. <laughs> and then we talked a little bit, uh, about off air, how you got into personal training and you were saying you wrestled a little bit in high school. What mm-hmm. uh, kind of got you into wrestling in the first place? Um, looking back in through uh, through high school and everything, uh, even prior to high school, you know, uh, I remember my dad. He would uh, he'd have night school. He would go to he was going to night school to be a paralegal and then a lawyer. And before he left for you know night school each night during the week, he he and I would always just like wrestle around in the in the living room and that'd be kind of our little uh little uh, you know time that we got to spend together after i got home from school and before he left for the night um so we would always do that and uh growing up i was i was kind of into uh professional wrestling as well um and i think what really got me into uh actually coming out to wrestle was uh just one of my friends a guy who had been giving me rides home from school my first couple of years of high school was like well wrestling practice is coming up so i'm not going to be able to uh take it home unless uh unless that's something you want to do and i was like oh okay i guess i'll come down and give it a try <laughs> it actually turned out pretty well for me so i'm pretty uh I'm, I'm, and i look i look back and i think that you know uh my days of high school and early college wrestling definitely had a lot to do with the way i approach life and the it, it just had a huge impact on the way that i am today you know <laughs> So it's it's great. And as a double amputee, um, there's a few videos out there of um, that I've seen with to do with wrestling. Mm-hmm. And is there, well, in your opinion, is there a slight advantage for anybody who has a, an impairment of that kind with um, you with a center of gravity? 
Um, you know, I look at it kind of both ways. You know, I, I can see why people would, would think that. Um, and I, I even, you know, but even as an advantage or a disadvantage, you know, the attitude that I was kind of brought up with and had instilled in me is, you know, regardless of the, the, the playing field, you know, you need to be able to accommodate to that. So, you know, for people who, there were people who would say that for me, it, it was an advantage to have a lower center of gravity. And, you know, I wrestled at, uh, 112 pounds. So obviously being 112 pounds of, of upper body, you know, with very minimal lower body, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a strength advantage there. Um, you know, as well as the low center of gravity, but, you know, I, I just got to say, you know, then, then why aren't my opponents training to get any better? You know, mm-hmm. um, that, so that's been, you know, the, the playing field to me is, is always level, you know, and it, it, you can, you can look at it as a, as an obstacle or as an opportunity, you know, cause I definitely, when I was wrestling had, you know, uh, aspects of my the way that I wrestled that could easily be capitalized upon, you know, by by my opponents. And at the same time, you know, if my opponents weren't good at defending themselves, if I were to, you know, take a take a shot in on them and you know take their legs out, if they weren't good at being able to defend that, then they before they wrestled me, they better work on it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then what what was kind of the factor that made you switch from wrestling to go into powerlifting? Um, I was in Oklahoma City uh, for an event called the Endeavor Games. And I had been, um, I, we, we, it was the first time that I had gone. So we had to be classified to participate in the different sports. They had to get our... Uh, classification level based off of amputations and you know figure out how to how to class us so I went down to be classified for for track which was the main reason that I had pursued the Endeavor Games and I found out that they had powerlifting so I you know kind of kind of winged it while I was there I was just like okay well that seems like something that I could I could do you know I'd been in the weight room already I'd been practicing as a personal trainer for you know a couple of years at that point and uh and I just kind of I got after it and I said oh okay and I uh, ended up taking a gold medal in powerlifting there at the uh, the Endeavor Games and uh, afterwards had a chat with the coaches and they're like well if you want to do this this is what you got to do and kind of gave me the steps from there okay and uh, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, how how did you get into personal training initially? It was it's kind of, it's kind of funny, you know. Just a uh, just ended up being a conversation with a friend while we are, were uh, on our way to the city or night out. He was uh, he had just gotten his personal training certificate and had told you know it was just like hey man you're spending you know a good amount of time in the gym lately why don't you you know get paid for the time that you're there and I was, oh okay you know and within a couple of weeks after that i uh, had had uh, gotten everything in in order to uh, start working on my certifications for training and uh, a couple within about two three months of that i was certified and 
had uh, had had the luck to uh, run into my uh, current uh, employer, and while I was actually at my other job, and got in on an interview with them, and it was just that easy. <laughs> okay. And when you were competing for the U.S. Paralympic powerlifting team, did you kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, cross, um, kind of use both both fields that you were in to help each other. So, say at things you'd learn from personal training, put it into powerlifting, and vice versa. Uh yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of interesting because I've always, uh, you know, kind of been looking at how the different fields can connect. So coming in with knowledge of how to gain strength and how to work on different aspects of stability and dealing with, uh, you know, minor injuries and muscular imbalance and stuff like that was uh, really very helpful for me as far as uh, getting my powerlifting going in the right direction. Okay. You know? And then for people, something we haven't touched upon, for people listening, uh, what is the difference between uh obviously Paralympic powerlifting and uh, able-bodied powerlifting because there might be a a misconception people have. Yeah. um, Regular uh, powerlifting is the squat, bench, and deadlift. All three lifts combined give you you your total for that meet or that competition. And then with Paralympic powerlifting, it is uh, very bench press specific. Uh, so you are on a on a bench, but it's a little bit different than your normal able-bodied bench. The bench is a little bit wider towards the bottom, so your feet are outstretched in front of you, uh, as though you're on a, a like a stretcher of sorts. And um, you the the criteria for a good lift or a missed lift is a heck of a lot stricter than it is for able-bodied powerlifting. Okay, uh, I've, I've, it's very. Oh, I've, it's definitely watching the Paralympics. It's you're thinking, uh, especially in my opinion, it's well. How is that a, a good lift and that's a bad lift? And it's like the fine, like a fine line between either is like very minute in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, I, I I've got to agree, and that's uh, that's that's a huge huge aspect of it. You know is being able to to not only lift the weight but lift the weight in within the criteria that they want you to you know they say the bar has to be held completely motionless on your chest and there's no necessarily given duration for that um and then you can you could be practicing it incorrectly the whole time you you could send your coach a video and they could say, well, it, it looked it looked like it would be good to me, but you know, in competition that that might not be, you know. So it's a it's a little bit objective in those aspects. They do what they got to do to you know to make it as fair as possible. But yeah, at the end of the day, it is kind of uh, kind of up to the judges and how they're feeling that day, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it's one of those sports that it's a judgment call at the end of the day, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's it's huge, you know, and. Uh, I've had I've had meets where uh, where I've gone and you know uh, done done my lift and then my coach is off to the side clapping like you know heck yeah great job you did it and then I look over and there's two red lights and I'm like oh okay well I guess I didn't you know <laughs> do better next time you know F- fix it whatever it is you know so and then for 
obviously the people that may have not watched uh, Paralympic powerlifting, can you explain where the judges are situated within terms of the lighting system? Yeah, yeah. So there's three judges. One is at the head, uh, kind of uh, above the bench, and then the other two are out to the sides towards the end of the bench, uh, right about the feet there. Uh, so the head judge is looking for very specific aspects of the uh, maybe the paws or holding it completely still on the chest. And then the other, the two side judges are looking for different aspects of, you know, maybe how controlled or uncontrolled your descent was or looking to make sure that your elbows lock out at the same time. So they're all kind of looking for slightly different aspects of the bench press. Okay. So it's, it's, it's well, quite a complicated system. A little. It can be. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, yeah, it's, it's it, very similar to uh, able-bodied lifting in that, you know, you have to get more white lights than red lights. <laughs> red lights, bad. White lights are good. <laughs> and then within regards to, this would probably be one of my, my personal question of mine. Mm -hmm. uh, would there be a difference within scoring uh, between the lighting system? So say somebody got two white lights as opposed to somebody getting three, but it was on the same weight. Would that have a bearing on the overall classification? Um, as far as, because, uh, it comes down to body weight too. There are, uh, coefficients that they have in a gigantic, crazy, unexplainable equation that I, I can't even get into that, uh, based off of your body weight. So theoretically somebody could be lighter and lift slightly less, but based on that equation, as a percentage of body weight, it can it can end up being more. So it's a little bit confusing in that sense. But I've I've been to meets where that has been the deciding factor. So it's not like two white lights versus three. It's more I could come in on the low end of the weight class and theoretically beat somebody who lifted a little bit more than me just because it's a greater percentage of my body weight. Well, that's probably the 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 equalizer between for the to be able oh, to get yeah. people in the sport is using that system. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then, Definitely. if we kind of flip that to a say strength component, mm -hmm. you want to be um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, strength to weight ratio. You want to have less body, but uh, less body mass as yes. opposed to what you're shifting. And obviously that will be a determinant of how strong you are. Yes, sir. Exactly. It's uh, it's not always just about you know um, lifting the most weight necessarily as as you being able to uh, lift a bigger percentage, so to speak, of your of your body weight, or as that equation puts it, you know. Mm -hmm. And then something we'll probably come back a little bit, a touch. Mm -hmm. um, and come touch on the, your disability as such. Um, with, in terms of training, how have you adapted uh, it to suit you? Because obviously with having a disability, or, and myself included, we have to change exercises a little bit. What does type of things you have had to do over the years to maximize your training? It's uh, it's it's really interesting that you ask that. It's kind of it. 
it's all about just being able to experiment and see what you can uh, see what you can get away with, so to speak. Um, you know, in terms of you know, obviously, you know, we, we, we have got our upper bodies being, you know, lower limb amputees. We got to we got to kind of focus on and develop our, our strong points. But we also need to be able to work on uh, core strength as well as training the uh, the lower body uh, just for for optimal function. So there, and there's definitely, you know, some uh, and have uh, being being a trainer, you know, has its upside in that I'm able to look at things through through that lens of okay well what what muscle groups are working right now and what uh how can i how can i get these other ones that maybe aren't as fired up to come to come into play so it's um it's it's really interesting to be able to to look at things through that through that standpoint um you know and how how i've been able to kind of hack around that in my own training is just is just through a lot of experimentation, through a lot of self-experimentation. Um, I work with a couple of amputee clients right now, and uh, you know, with them, you know, it's like the first the first handful of uh, training sessions that I go through with them. It's just about finding their capabilities and finding the right way. They're finding finding their way, rather not the right way, so to speak, but their way of doing things. You know. Um, so and I, I tell people that all the time. It's not necessarily about finding the right way to do it. It's about finding your right way to do it. You know, that's probably that's probably the right right way of going about it. Obviously, we've well with any disability, you've had to find a way of uh, adapting to life anyway. So you mm-hmm. might not do the same with training. Yeah, exactly, and that's it's. I think it's interesting because it's kind of one one hand washes the other in that aspect because I'm able to, you know, I, I look at things through the through the how can I get this done and how can I how can I facilitate this movement for myself or this this other person with a you know with another disability you know and how how do the two differ you know how is uh, how is my my squat or hip hinge going to differ from that of somebody who's missing one leg below the knee, you know? Um, and what, what types of compensations am I looking out for? So, and being able to, you know, approach, approach life in that regard too. And like, how am I going to find a way to get up these stairs? Well, there's no handicap ramp, so I can't go around. So I need to, uh, I need to walk up them. Okay. All right. You know, how am I going to do that? You know? Mm-hmm. And then, one question I've kind of written down since we've been on air uh, is what kind, what tips would you give anybody starting out in fitness and then probably more specifically any amputees? Yeah, um, so for people who are just starting out in fitness, it is, it is as simple as just getting consciously moving and, you know, finding ways to to measure and to progress yourself on on a daily weekly monthly basis you know um and i'm not talking just uh just about focusing on you know your scale weight so to speak but you know taking taking a look at you know people who 
you know, will struggle to get out there and walk, you know, even a, a quarter mile or I'll have amputee clients who, who come to me and they can, they can barely walk 10 feet unsupported. And I'm like, okay, well next week we walk 15 feet, you know, um, and finding, finding ways to progress yourself in those aspects, um, you know, without, without being, you know, set, set goals for yourself and, and, you know, don't, don't be too hard on yourself for, uh, for, you know, maybe falling a little bit short, but evaluating what you did well and what you can do better and, you know, being able to take everything kind of as a learning experience. And um, one thing that I am huge on is just being able to respect the process regardless, Um, respecting the process of losing weight and dieting or, um, you know, uh, getting your nutrition in line, uh, respecting the process of getting to the gym, you know, frequently on day and pushing yourself on days when you don't want to, um, and not looking for the next instantaneous overnight solution and not looking for the big short term, short, short term fad fix on things. Uh, and being just being able to uh, to know that there's going to be some great days and there's going to be some awful days, you know. Um, but being able to get in there and do your work on the days that you know you don't want to is absolutely huge, you know. That's something I definitely agree with. And then obviously I'll come to another question. Uh, it's something I've been asked as a personal trainer as well in the past uh, with regards to um, people with uh, amputations. Uh, I've been asked, uh, obviously, with regards to uh, undeveloped glutes, uh, some of them have had problems with uh, glute activation for their, say, for example, a single amputee with Uh activation on the impaired side. What are some tips that you would recommend for that problem? Um, my favorite, 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 favorite move of all time is all is, is the, uh, the hip bridge or, uh, hip thruster, you know, lying either on the ground or on a, uh, with your shoulders supported on a bench and, uh, pushing the hips towards the sky. Um, there's a lot of different ways to facilitate that with one leg, with no legs, um, you know, and just about getting, getting, a way to leverage yourself and get those muscles to start firing. Um, it's, it's being able to consciously call them into play and building the, the mind and muscle, the neuromuscular connection, um, between, you know, your brain and that specific part of your body. It's been, that is my, that is my all time favorite thing for amputees. And I think it's, hugely underrated um i don't you don't even normally see it too often in uh in like physical therapy settings even you know it's it's something that they kind of touch on but um as a as a trainer especially of amputees i i'm always gonna try and find a way to get them to be able to do that because from a strict activation standpoint and you know having limited movements otherwise you know obviously if everybody can can squat we're going to get them to squat but if you're a single above the knee amputee then um you know what the heck are we going to do oh you know you you, you might be able to squat but you're not going to be able 
activate on that on that side as much. So um, that as well as uh, any hip hinge is going to be huge too. So uh, maybe a single leg deadlift or single leg RDL, you know, some variation of that is going to be is going to be big too. And it's something we've not touched upon. Obviously, uh, the importance of glute activation, especially for the amputees, is obviously yes. uh, the downside of not have not being uh, having strong glutes. Is obviously will have a knock-on effect on your muscle chain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it uh, it definitely. Well, and I mean all the the the, the generally sedentary. Uh, lifestyle that becomes the amputee um you know whether it's from time spent in a wheelchair or you know not being able to get out and use prosthetics or just not having the the right team behind you with the the knowledge to to get you moving properly just leads to the sedentary lifestyle and then next thing you know well and, and you know this you know you get the uh the office worker syndrome you know you get the the weak glutes, the no no hamstring, you know, very 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 tight hip flexors, uh, overactive low back, and, and no core. You know, yep. it and uh, you know, so I I approach, I you know, I try I try not to not to push too far in that direction with any any client, but that that is a that is a huge problem among the the vast majority of amputees and the general populace too. And then the other question I generally get asked, obviously uh, it's generally a problem with the general population anyway, is um, obviously the upper, the upper abs and the mid abs are generally not a problem with people. Mm-hmm. It's generally the lower abdominals. What are some exercise tips you would give to help strengthen that? Because obviously with an amputee, uh, say for example, uh, reverse crunch. Obviously, um, I don't know if it's the same with you. Uh, would I have a problem? Obviously, because due to the nature of the disability being congenital, mm-hmm. my lower back is possibly not as strong as it could be. And then, obviously, mm-hmm. you don't want to uh, use momentum in your legs to generate that crunch for, for in that yeah. sense. How would you go about obviously acti- activating that that muscle? That's a that's a tough one because and honestly not one that I've really considered. But to me, a lot of the uh, the lower ab movements that you see are the ones that you know people people get gravitate towards because they they can you know quote feel it you know or like the the hanging leg raises and the reverse crunches and that sort of thing. It's it's interesting because I tend to shy away from those because of the overactive hip flexor complex as it is. You know, um, if I, I I don't know, if I would really focus on training an amputee's lower abs as a as a uh, a specific muscle group necessarily so much as I would have them focus on anti uh anti extension anti spinal extension movements like uh like the dead bug variations um though i think that to me would would lend itself to more day to day functionality and day to day strength than just working the lower abs okay and then that, 
moving on a little bit from that, mm-hmm. would it probably be better? Would be well, we could probably make this more general to anybody to that's listening. Would it be more important to focus more on your nutrition when it comes to your abdominals than training, or would it be a case of both? Um, I think especially as you're starting out, it's, it's all nutrition, you know, um, I think from a, in the, 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 the hardcore personal trainer in me says, you know, get your nutrition right. And then we'll, we'll talk about your abs. Um, but I think that also once you start to get to those lower body fat percentages, um, you can definitely get a little bit more out of the not necessarily the the functional abdominal movements as you know the the decline crunches and the crunches and the hanging leg raises and that sort of thing you know i uh it's from a training perspective i try to try to gear my clients ab movements almost half and half between the ones that they they feel that might not be the most functional but then i try to get the other the other half being uh, being the functional ones that they're kind of like, oh, why am I doing this? I'm like, well, because you you need to. This is this is the stuff that's actually going to help you in your day to day life. You know, uh, the anti rotation, the anti flexion or anti lateral flexion, anti extension types of exercises. Uh, but those aren't also the uh, the most thrilling ones to perform either. So you know, definitely, they, definitely not. Yeah, you know, so there'll be there'll be times where I'll I'll have people do, you know, a set of, you know, 25 or 30 crunches and then reverse crunches and, you know, uh, side uh, like maybe not side bend side side bridge hip raises. You know, those are those are well side bridge hip, hip raises are actually a good feel it and functional variety as well. But, you know, and then I'll have them do uh, a pop paloff press and uh dead bug variations and like well why are we doing these they don't really they don't hurt so they must not be working you know <laughs> um, no well they, they are you just have to you just have to be able to focus and and get those muscles to fire as they are supposed to in that situation you well know? it's probably slow it's probably a case more of you may not be feeling it but then are you activating the muscle properly then yeah yeah it's that that's huge too is to to you know, uh, and it's got kind of like a like a plank or a, a bridge position because you know I I know people who you know could can hold hold a hold a plank all day, but are they truly activating their uh, their their abs? You know, the, the the rectus abdominis. Are they really are they really calling that into play? No, probably not because if you're if you're really working to to brace the abs and keep everything as as tight as it should be. And, you know, a plank is not a, it's not a 10 minute yoga hold. It's, it's meant to be, you know, 20, 30 seconds. And then I find ways to start making it harder, you know? Yeah. Well, it's definitely something, well, I've looked on YouTube, uh, for, oh, what's his name? Uh, Jeff Cavalier obviously focuses a lot on body weight exercises on, Mm -hmm. on his, on his training. And he said, obviously, well, we touched upon it a little bit with the plank. Obviously, if you can hold a plank, well, say for not ten minutes for example, that's a bit excessive. But yeah. say three, four, five minutes. Obviously, well, that's too easy. You need to look at progressing it to, yeah. I don't know. Uh, say for example, uh, de- de- decline uh, plank, and obviously that's going to have stress the muscle in a different way entirely. 
than a normal plank would be. I'll, uh, I'll go to plank, uh, plank to push-up or low plank to high plank. I'll go uh, plank leg raises or uh, re- reaching like limb, just different limb raises or try and make the plank a little bit more dynamic like a, a, a body saw type of movement, you know, rock kind of rocking back and forth in a mm-hmm. plank position. Um, you know, those are kind of my go-tos for progressing. It. And, you know, once you start to get into that and really being able to keep the, keep the form, you know, keeping the hips square with the ground and not letting the low back sag, you know, cause that, that's another thing I could, I could get on about that all day. Uh, you know, people who progress exercises too soon, you know, I see guys doing, uh, doing BOSU ball push, decline BOSU ball pushups, you know, so with their feet on a bench and, you know, their hands are on a BOSU ball, uh, BOSU ball with the dome, dome facing down and uh, their low back just looks like an accordion. And I'm, you know, (laughs) I'm like, you you need to, need to draw it back a little bit there because otherwise you're going to get hurt. You're not, you're not doing what you think you're doing, you know? Yeah. well, it's trying to not overcomplicate the exercise at the end of the day. At some sometimes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's the other end of the the other side of the coin is you know how is is at the end of the day, yeah, it is supposed to be, you know, it's about it's a body weight exercise. It's supposed to be relatively simple, and you don't you don't need to over. Complicate. You know, you can get enough out of it as it is. That's that's why it's you know a functional starting movement you know it's a foundation a plank is a foundational movement that you know everybody in some way shape or form needs to be able to perform well it's probably it's probably got a little bit of a misconception bodyweight exercise because obviously people think of it as i would say lesser to a lesser extent than say uh dumbbell exercises um machines and mm-hmm. uh benches um when really it's probably an equalizer between people because obviously it's how it's it's going to be difficult to you no matter what because it's at the end of the day it's your body weight you're having to shift so mm-hmm. the exercise well you'd have to play around with it a little bit obviously yeah. in terms of reps for somebody who weighs a little bit less yeah, it's it's about, you know, relative intensity at that point too, you know. Um a push up for somebody who, you know, uh weighs hundred and thirty five pounds might not be that big of a deal depending on how well conditioned or deconditioned they are. But, you know, a push up for somebody who's two hundred and twenty five pounds is is considerably more, you know? Mm-hmm. And people don't pay attention to the fact that you have to be that much more in in shape to be you know to be able to or that much more well conditioned to be able to perform those movements at that weight you know or uh, uh, a, a squat a pull up any of those movements is it, it can be really hard not only if you're overweight but if even if you even if you're of a a good body fat percentage and and just just heavy you know you're still moving a lot of weight regardless mm-hmm. you know so people people look at like body weight or calisthenics as kind of a kind of a uh a, a wuss you know a cop out like yeah whatever you know you could do body weight squats all day no if the intensity's there and you're doing it right then you, you should be should be able to 
to get your exertion and intensity up there pretty easily, you know? And then, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And then something we haven't touched upon, uh, obviously for people that are starting out, and obviously weight is going to play a major factor mm-hmm. with any body weight exercise. Mm-hmm. Is, well, it's probably for you and me, it's probably we look at adaptations for everybody anyway. Mm-hmm. Are people... Oh, I'll try to word this correctly. Um, are people best to regress an exercise if they're not performing an exercise correctly, in your opinion? I think that there's... Uh, I think we kind of talk, talked about this briefly off-air. Um, I think that in some aspects, there's there's good form and then there's good enough for today form with some exercises, you know, like some, some individuals aren't meant to be able to squat to parallel or below parallel. And if I've got, if I've got somebody who is, you know, at that point and yeah, I'm always going to be working to increase their range of motion, but if they're hitting, you know, two thirds of the depth or just, just North of parallel, then I'm going to be, I'm going to be satisfied with that. And, you know, if they're presenting some other, you know, muscular imbalances that you see, like the the tight adductors, or they're they're leaning forward a, a good amount. Then I'm going to work to correct that as as it is presenting itself right then, the best that I can by either by getting them to focus on, say, driving their their knee outward. You know, if their if their knees caving in, getting them to focus on that right then and seeing if that makes a difference for them and 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 kind of uh kind of bleeding that aspect dry before i uh before i really give up on that exercise so to speak so you know um is it is it worth regressing just depends to me on how 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 bad is it <laughs> uh, can i find a way that they can still safely perform you know maybe a limited range of motion or with some assistance uh, rather than just just throwing out the exercise entirely. Oh, I wouldn't go that far to throw yeah. to throwing out the exercise. I would no. mean maybe like also oh, for example a uh, a chin up, obviously going from either a band assisted chin up or the the oh god, what the name of the machine? Um, the assisted the assisted weighted one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, no, I, I do that for, for people as it is anyway. So I don't think, you know, I don't think that would be a problem at all. You know, um, even, you know, for, for, for a squat, you know, I'll use, I, you know, like there's a, there's obviously a difference between box squats and squatting to a box, you know, (laughs) uh, I can have somebody who maybe doesn't have the range of motion with, uh, with a barbell on their back to be able to, to touch, to, to get adequate range of motion on their squat, I'll have them do it to a box, you know, if it's, if it's not too, too much more for them, you know, um, just so that they, they, they know it's there and they can start to, uh, kind of gear their, uh, their mental, uh, you know, that mind body connection towards, like okay, this is this is where I'm supposed to stop, and then over time we we take the box away or we get them just to 
to stop right at the box rather than sitting all the way on it, you know? Um, the, the, there's, there's, everybody's going to perform exercises just a little bit differently. There's no right way for one to perform one, I don't think, you know? Oh, it's definitely, it's def- it's, it's, it's probably the best way of looking at it is probably not focusing too much on obviously like you say getting it to what people would term the perfect position for an exercise mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. going to your range of movement because obviously there's loads of factors that all have a bearing on that say like we discussed uh obviously tightness in the muscles going to have a bearing on how much yeah. how much flexibility you have uh obviously if you're starting out technique is going to mm-hmm. have a massive uh, yeah and bearing. if i can set those set those benchmarks and be able to move forward from there and then you know i can even even take some of the imbalances that i see in somebody's squat you know we, we keep going back to that but it is you know it is the the biggest movement there is and you'll see you know more muscular imbalances presented in the squat than anywhere else um you know but I'll, I'll go back to that and i'll say oh okay well you have tight adductors or weak glutes or whatever and i'll be able to gear some of the other exercises that i do that session towards getting those guys fired up and i'll say okay well you can throw this into your routine as either its own own independent movement or something that you should be doing to warm up you know uh lateral lunges are i'm huge on because they uh, they work too well to strengthen the inner thigh muscles, which is which is often you know weak and tight in people, uh, and, and the vast majority of the population. Anybody who has a seated desk job has weak and tight adductors, uh, you know. So I'll throw a lateral lunge their way, and I'll have them do them either in between the sets or as an extra movement at the in the workout, and then I'll say you can be doing these to warm up, you know, and and you'll probably get better results with your squat. So from that, you you I definitely say you're probably a uh, definite advocate for. I won't say it's prehab, but obviously, mm-hmm. um, obviously getting it would probably be, be getting the muscle ready for work. So pre-activation, as we discussed. Yeah, previously. I think there's there's a lot to be said for. Uh, um, I think even being able to, uh, well, for newer clients, it's a matter of being able to start thinking through that muscle is kind of the term that I, I use with people. Um, so it, it's, it's astounding. You know, I, I'll, I'll say like for a, for a lat pull down for the seated lat pull down, you know, um, when I tell people, you know, okay, so you can do this just by, by kind of flexing your arm and throwing your elbows down, you know, yeah, you'll be able to move the weight. But now here, truly think through your shoulder blade and, and think about, you know, pinching those muscles down and together, you know, they, you get a lot more out of that. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I think that building that mind and body connection, you know, either during the exercise while just telling somebody, okay, think about this on your inner thigh or think about this through your shoulder blade. Um, I think that 
before and during an exercise, being able to know what muscles you're working and know where your weaknesses are and what needs to be kind of called into play is huge. And I, I do it too during, uh, during my lifts, um, for bench press, I'll, I'll start to, you know, I'll start to realize during a set, Oh, my, my triceps are getting fatigued or my, my chest, you know, this bar isn't coming off my chest. So I'll be able to kind of move the elbows a little bit differently or consciously, you know, uh, pump up my chest, you know, real quick at the bottom of it, just to be able to get the bar going, you know? So there's a lot, I think there's a lot of different mental tricks that work well for people, uh, you know, that they don't realize your, your mind has a lot to do with it. Well, that's definitely, that's definitely, well, that's one we can pinpoint to fitness, but that's probably something you could equate to if you're realistic and everybody be honest with themselves that are listening, it's probably something you could relate to anything in life. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. I mean, really, if you, yeah, if you're, uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, of visualizing and trying to, uh, you know, trying to know what's going to happen, you know, before, before it happens, so to speak. Um, you know, and if I, I think I find that there are, uh, definitely, events in my life you know whether it's you know just small stuff day-to-day stuff like this is how this conversation is going to go or this is how i'm going to uh i'm going to take this route you know with this person and if they say you know some something to be said for uh, maybe tactically thinking or just thinking ahead i think that's huge not only in workouts but in everyday life too yeah, that's something i definitely agree with, with. that without getting anxious about it <laughs> without 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 wrapping your head around it too too much because <laughs> I, I realize that too when I'm, when I'm queuing something up for somebody you know a movement uh and I'll, I'll tell them all right now you need to be doing this and this and this and this but don't overthink it <laughs> you know? and it's uh like wait um what <laughs> you know it, so there's you know you can kind of overshoot on that too for sure <laughs> Well, it's from that one. It's probably don't dwell on it, and yeah. uh, well, like you say, don't overthink of it. It's just probably taking each process as it comes. Yeah. Put this, yeah. take, implement this first step. You got that down. Now incorporate the the, the second right. one and progress like that. And then obviously, yeah. the better you get at the exercise, you should be able to do say for example you use for 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 um types you want to perform during the exercise well obviously by the time you get to really good at the exercise that's the minimum expectation you expect right right yep there's like i said yeah good enough for good enough for today and then there's there's good you know um so there's there's definitely uh some lines there and if i can you know get somebody to draw a line in the sand just a little bit further at the end of the workout um then you know their their form's gotten that much better at the end of that workout then then heck yeah you know that's that's great okay so i think we'll wrap it up today for the podcast cool Uh, thanks trevor for coming on no problem and before i forget i would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short review as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it will be more visible in future to others and thus helping more people, which my guests and I are all about. Once again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast.